Remembering the great DJs of radio, it's Radio Greats with the live Luke. This time on my Radio Greats podcast series, I'm delighted to be joined by someone who has spent the best part of 26 years in the radio business, from traffic and travel to presenting, management and voiceovers. He has worked on stations from Sun FM, uh, Smooth Radio and even 12 years on Real Radio in Yorkshire and Wales. And I look forward to be learning a bit more about him in this edition. But before I do, Ian Brannan, how do I find you today? How do you find me? Well, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm very well. I'm just in my little voiceover cave. And now I'm looking forward to having a chat with you. Well, that's great to hear. Well, Ian, 26 years in the business. How <sighs> was it you developed the bug for radio? Well, I think as many of us do, it's just one of them things that you're fascinated by. I mean, I um, go back to my earliest memory and uh, my my mum and dad had this transistor radio that used to sit on the the mantelpiece, and um, it was a you know little plastic thing, nothing particularly great. Just honestly, straightforward transistor radio. It had stickers on the dial of where Radio Four was and Three and all the other channels that they were at the time in the probably you know early mid eighties or, or whatever. And um, I, I used to enjoy you know hearing people speaking out of it and. I seem to remember we had this period in our family where we'd listen to um, PM on Radio 4 or something pretty highbrow like that, which, you know, <laughs> was uh, pretty fancy. But I remember hearing programmes like that and, and, and you know, just hearing people talking. And, and I heard a reporter once that was on, I mean, you know, I must have been about seven or eight, and this, this guy who was a reporter was also called Ian. And it, it seemed, therefore, you know... Uh, an accessible and, and a realistic thing that somebody called Ian could actually make it in uh, in the radio world, and um, and from there I I don't know I got I got into sort of speaking into cassette recorders and I got given a one of these really old Danset record players that was my dad's I think you, you know in the nineteen fifties or sixties or something like that and it played th- um, it played sixteen RPM. 33, 45 and 78. And so I then developed um, a thing of playing records as well and playing them at 16 RPM, 33, 45 and 78. And depending on, you know, if you wanted to sort of play them slower or faster or not. Um, and with this cassette recorder, I'd record the the song and me speaking in between them. And that developed, I remember one Christmas asking for a karaoke set uh, like a you know a cheap one, but the the real sort of motivation behind that karaoke set was the microphone, and I knew that the microphone would plug into the cassette recorder. So then I, ha- I had a microphone and a stand and a cassette recorder and a dance set record player, and you see the whole thing started building up. I then got a, a red light as a bicycle light for my bikes. I got the red light then. See, you know, it all builds up, and that's really where it all started. And then for me, uh, where it where it really started to take a turn was when I was at secondary school. The school I went to, which was Batley High School in York. Yorkshire, they had um, a lunchtime club, and the lunchtime club was a hospital radio club. And I heard about this from a, from a couple of the people in my year, or whatever. Said they were they were interested in joining it, and I'd heard it mentioned and found out more. It sounded interesting, and I went along, and you know it was pretty good. And it was run by a chemistry teacher. He ran this. He had an interesting radio himself. He so he set this club up and. Yeah, we used to meet on a lunchtime and every month they would deliver a one-hour show on the local hospital radio station. So um, I, I did this and got involved in it, went up, absolutely loved it. And from there, 
you know, was was fully bitten by the by the bug, I guess. And yeah, and that, that's probably the the real start of it. Probably about 1991 when I first did a, a show with the school on the hospital radio station. And what an amazing uh, way to get into the business because I've done hospital radio. Um, for the last 10 years, and I absolutely love it. It's fantastic. And I went, I went back to my hospital radio station last week. Um, they are celebrating their 70th anniversary. It's called HWD Hospital Radio. HWD Hospital Radio. Playing more music variety. Variety. It's WD I right in thinking you then move into traffic reports for stations um, across the north of England? So what happened was I was still at school and and so I was doing this school show, which was once a month, and I got more and more involved in that as I got older at the school and people left. And then towards like my last year at school, so I'd be what, just 16, and um, I I joined sort of more formally the hospital radio station because it was only like five minutes walk from my house was the hospital. So it was very handy for me. So I got involved in that and I was in the, the, you know, the point in school where you got to decide what you're going to do next. And there was two things that I was interested in. And one was um, heading down the route of potentially being an airline pilot believe it or not. Um, and so that was one option. And I was, at that point, I was in the air cadets. And so I'd done flying and there was a progression there. And the other was to be involved in radio. And, and, and the more I did hospital radio and, and the more I thought about it, the more that seemed like a more realistic choice. And uh, not that my careers advisor echoed those words. He thought both ideas were utterly bonkers and that I should uh, do something a little bit more realistic. But um, anyway, I, I, I persisted with it. And I came to the choice where I'd, I'd, I did a media course and a bit older, got to that point where you might go to university. And and really, that's the point where I thought, well, I'd, I'd got places at university. I could have gone to a few different ones. But I, I what I did was I took a year out. I did the, the whole gap year. And rather than go um, around the world or live in, in a Buddhist temple for, for three months or, or whatever people sometimes do in their gap year, I just thought, I'm going to try and get a job. I'm going to give myself a year because I think I've got the skills and I don't know really, at, certainly at that time, what university would have done to have sped up that process. Because I wanted to be a presenter. I wanted to be on the radio. I knew what I was doing. And I just thought, I'm just going to try and get a job. So I gave myself a year to try and get a job. And I got a job. and got a job at AA Roadwatch in Leeds. Um, and even that was sort of by sort of by accident. In that um, they were based not not far from me in a place called the Arlington Business Centre, which people in the area will know because it was a big mirrored building. It was a quite a fancy looking building, and they were tucked away in a in an AA call centre in there, and they had a little office off to the side. But I I'd, I'd sent my demo in, and through hospital radio connections, uh, I knew one or two people who worked there, but not particularly well, if you know what I mean. Sent the demo in, and the next thing I get a call saying, um, Hi, Ian, it's, um, I forget who, from um, AA Roadwatch. And I'm thinking, oh, hello. Um, now, you sent us a demo. Your demo has ended up in a different box. And your demo has been sent off to KISS 102 in Manchester. And they want to interview you to be the travel presenter on KISS 102. And I'm thinking, I'm, you know, I live in a part of... Uh, Yorkshire Batley, which is, you know, it's known for its variety club, 
uh, back in the day. Uh, but it's not really known for its, its sort of Manchester nightlife. Remember, this is 1997. The whole Manchester thing's kicking off. Hacienda, all the rest of it, you know. And me going to Manchester, I think you should always say yes to things where, where, where reasonable. I went for the job interview in Manchester at Kiss 102. <laughs> they're talking to me about all these dance things and nightclubs and blah, blah. And I'm like, I've got no idea. But I'm trying to bluff my way through it. My, my strategy for the interview was that I want to do travel news and I want to sound that I'm competent with that. But I want to be honest that I'm not a clubber. And uh, I'm totally out of my depth when it comes to the Manchester nightlife scene at this moment in time. Um, and I think it kind of worked because um, after that, um, I I didn't get the job at Kiss 102 in Manchester, but I did get the job at Aroid watching Leeds. And so that's how that came about. And the rest, as they say, is history. <laughs> From um, one DJ who um, who in Cardiff, I think he um, he said it was between Red Dragon years ago and um, Galaxy when it just started. Yeah, and he went for, he went to Galaxy, and then um, a year later he came back and did Red Dragon. Yeah, well, that's the thing because I got the job at A Roadwatch. Now you see, the thing was with Galaxy at the time, um, they had this thing where Galaxy had the people reading the travel news in the station but they were paid for by AA Roadwatch they were AA Roadwatch employees so they were paid by the AA um it was a funny old arrangement um but fast forward what a few months maybe maybe six max um i find myself at kiss 105 in leeds doing travel news there on occasion when when the regular people were off so um having <laughs> having bluffed my way out of doing that gig i then ended up doing it again um, on 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 Kiss in in Leeds when when well when just not long after Kiss had launched really I think because they launched in ninety uh, seven didn't they in the February so it was only a couple of months after the station launched when Bam Bam and JoJo were on I was I was doing some travel uh, around then just filling in um, so yeah I did do it in the end <laughs> and did they send you to the clubs no not really although yeah you, you, once you got into the whole sort of thing with with people there at the time of course then yeah you do you did get kind of brought into the the lifestyle a little and of course the thing about um certainly galaxy and leeds and the irony there of course is the same place as where heart and capital are now is that there, there used to be a bar in the same building a pub and so it was straight out of there into that pub and uh yeah it was all it was it was a good scene it was it was they were a good gang uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, definitely. There were some good nights. So doing traffic and travel for all these stations in the north um, of England, you then um, get a job offer at BBC Radio in Leeds. Yeah, you know, you see, there are hospital radio connections here as well. And, and, and this is why hospital radio is important, because I can probably trace most of the things I've done in radio back to my hospital radio time believe it or not. When I was working at A Roadwatch, I was doing, I um, I first started doing, rate, I mean, they covered all of the BBC stations, all the BBC locals in the north. So I did bulletins first on Radio York and Radio Humberside. 
um, BBC Cleveland at the time, now known as BBC Tees, BBC Newcastle and Radio Leeds and Radio Sheffield. So, yeah, you did a different shift, depending on what shift you were on, depending on which stations you were on. Uh, and, yeah, a little kind of guide, a, a little running order almost of where you were going to be at any moment in time. I ended up doing travel news inserts to Radio Leeds and Radio Leeds is travel bulletins were about two minutes long each time and they had a person at the station who was doing like the local stuff and then they crossed to the AA for the motorway news Uh, and that was that was what I did so it was kind of a bit of a double-headed travel bulletin really now the person who was doing that at the time I think was um, Stuart Barrett who I think now works at BBC Manchester but he was also part of the hospital radio station in Dewsbury and and so I'd met him there and and so I knew that he was going to be moving off on a bit of an attachment. And so I knew the, the opportunity was coming up. But having already been a voice doing the doing the travel news in the mornings on Radio Leeds anyway, it, it sort of helped me, I suppose, be a, a more of a natural choice to do it. And, and yeah, so I did it. And so I moved over and I was still doing travel news, but I was doing the travel news at the BBC rather than from the AA, if you know what I mean. But there was other production work attached to it as well. So, yeah, it was good. And... I enjoyed it. And I, I mentioned before, you know, about giving myself that time to, to get a job and not go to university that I still needed a bit of the education. Um, and, and working at the BBC basically became my university, really, of, of, of learning. The music you remember from BBC you were doing other things, as you mentioned, uh, other than travel. You were doing a bit of producing. And am I also right in thinking you got your first stint of presenting on local radio, doing an early breakfast show? Yeah, part of the job. And it was weird because there was all sorts of stuff involved. There was production, travel news until about nine o'clock or whatever it was. Then there was like producing uh, like entertainment guides and movie guides, theatre guides, these little pre-record things that they just play as little fillers. Because at the time, Radio Leeds was was a, an all talk station they they didn't they played i think they played two or three records during the day from 6am until 7pm and that was in a show called real live and those that was the only music the station played it was all speech um and so they had these little guides that were made for you know theater guides movie guides what's out of the movies this week and all that kind of stuff that I, that i made in addition and and occasionally you know answering phones doing what what it's called a broadcast assistant job now which is very different to what it was then because then people people of a certain era will will recognize the phrase um taking the circuit and that was your uh, all your clips coming down for the news so they they they'd fire them down and say uh, uh, attention network uh, here is the uh, clip for the prime minister speaking about cheese or whatever it was and it's coming down in 3 and then you had to set the cart recording and record it label it up and get it over to the news guy who played it off cart you know we're talking analog days and it was the back end of the analog days but it was still there so i was doing that my first shift doing that was the budget i mean crikey you know there was clips flying right left and center that was a baptism of a fire i'm making no wonder everybody else had taken the day off uh but gave me a chance but yeah uh, absolute chaos it's much different now because of course the clips are sent out digitally and it's fairly sedate really <laughs> compared compared to what it was but yeah all that editing tape with razor blades and all this kind of stuff going on so yeah it could have been any of that but as you say part of the shift was an hour on radio leads six till seven i think it was in the morning you op- I came in the station opened the station up and yeah did an hour of of all sorts of stuff and you could play music in that so it was about three or four songs i think permitted i mean you know on the proper radio there and pretty nervy times 
But um, I, yeah, I enjoyed it. It was different to probably commercial radio by by a long way, but proper old school with CDs and carts and tape. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, it's something I'm glad I've done because it's not something that happens anymore. And don't forget the record players either. Oh, well, yeah, there's occasional record players turning back quarter. Yeah. But you see, at the time, the other thing was that I'd, um, I had done some, uh, because I'd be still, I was still sending demos out and I got my first real bite from commercial radio came from CFM in Carlisle. And I ended up doing some shifts there at the same time. And I was doing Sunday eve was it Sunday evenings? After the, after the Dr. Fox chart had finished, um, I, I did that bit then. So I did Sunday evenings on CFM. And yeah, that was a, that was a fun time. I, I was only there for about six weeks because they then offered me a full-time job. Um, but I couldn't do it because I was working at the BBC and I only had a short-term contract at the BBC. But anyway, it, uh, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't allowed to continue doing my Sunday show for not accepting a full-time job. Then October 99 comes along and you get your full-time presenting gig with mm. Sun FM in Sunderland. So how did that gig come about? Well, it goes back to hospital radio <laughs> in that um, when I first went to the hospital radio station, I had to go and get trained on how to use the desk. And the first person I met there was a, a certain person called Ricky Durkin. Now, Ricky Durkin, many people will know as a program director of, of uh, Real Radio Yorkshire and Real Radio Wales. And maybe you're starting to see a connection here. But yeah, that came about by accident in getting back in touch with Ricky because I knew Ricky very briefly. And he then went off to, to CFM himself. He'd left CFM by the time I'd started doing stuff there. But um, he, he'd left the station and, and um, became a, a major celebrity in the in the Carlisle and surrounding workings and areas. So that's that connection. I was doing travel news at AA Roadwatch and we'd taken this new station on called Sun FM. I dialed in on ISDN to do the travel bulletin and who's at the other end of the ISDN but Ricky. I was like, no, no way. I didn't even know is that I didn't even know it was at Sun FM. So that this was in nineteen ooh, the end of nineteen ninety seven, it has to be. And so yeah, we, we kept in touch and when things had sort of changed with with CFM and there was availability. Ricky had become program controller at Sun and yeah, he he gave me a a tryout and I came up and and did some shows and I did a bit of cover. I did some weekends. I mean, you're talking about 1999 there with with doing Drive and stuff and that was the time when I got my first full-time job, you're right. But prior to that, there was a lot of groundwork that goes in and and, and people don't realise sometimes how long it takes to get um, a show, you know, a full-time show, your full-time break. There's a lot of unsociable hours and, and things like that that you you have to put in to put yourself in that position, to put yourself in the shop window. And um, initially, I was literally in the shop window because Sun FM, Sun FM had a place um, in the centre of Sunderland, their studios, which were, were old studios that belonged to Radio Newcastle. It was Radio Newcastle's Sunderland studio that then Sun City moved into and then Sun FM subsequently inherited. 
And it was lovingly called the kebab shop because it was very much like walking into a kebab shop. And I never broadcast from there, but I did have a look round. And my first visit to Sun FM was to meet Ricky. And I think it was something like the day after New Year's Day or something like that in 1998. It was still, you know, that those days after Christmas where there's not much going on. So I, I drove all the way up to Sunderland, first time I'd ever been, and uh, met Ricky for a coffee. And uh, yeah, I'd look round the kebab shop. But then... Subsequently, it was later in the year, so it would have been about September time, 98, I did a show um, on Sun FM. It was a, a Sunday afternoon show. Now, here is the twist, and this is important. Now, first of all, it was the first weekend that Sun FM had moved into their then brand new studios on like, the Enterprise Park next to the river. Brand new, new desks, new gear. It was, it was fabulous. Um, and that is where I was introduced to a certain person called Chris Stevens. Now, myself and Chris did <laughs> went on to, to do a show together, which was called Word on the Street. That was what it was originally called, Word on the Street. And basically, the premise would be Chris would go out uh, on the street um, to interview members of the public about the hot stories of the day. <laughs> so he'd go out with his little mini-disc recorder and he'd ask people about things in bus stops, you know, doing Vox Pops and stuff. And this is all part of what Sun FM had to do at the time, you know, the old licence. So that's where I first met Chris, uh, was, uh, was doing Word on the Street. And then that became a show called Sun FM Sorted, where, <laughs> where listeners were invited in their sometimes twos and threes to, to have their problems sorted by myself and Chris Stevens. Now, if you need somebody to sort a problem in your life, I would argue there are probably better people to turn to than myself and Chris, but that's where we were. And we were there sorting the problems of the people. Problems such as, I've got wax on my carpet. What do I do? Uh, lesser known follow-up to a great UB40 song. Um, what else did we deal with? Wine stains slugs in your bathroom, all these kind of things, you know, things that these days you'd Google it. <laughs> Google wasn't quite so big then. And before the days of Google, you had myself and Chris in the Wearside area. So we did this show together for a bit. And then I think for the safety of the license, <laughs> I was moved onto uh, Weekend Breakfast. So I started doing weekend breakfast, and weekend breakfast was fun because um, then you know that was more of a regular show, I suppose, of my own uh, every Saturday. But I was still working at Radio Leeds at the time, so I was doing stuff at Radio Leeds, driving up, doing Saturday breakfast, and then driving back to Leeds. Um, you know, having done breakfast, driving back to Leeds, having a quick power nap at home, and then going into Radio Leeds to um, like tech up the Leeds United commentaries on on Radio Leeds, which I was doing at the time. So it was pretty busy. Um, so that went on, and then I was doing cover. I was working. I was looking because I was working breakfast shifts at Leeds, at Radio Leeds, doing travel news. And then I was, whenever any cover came up, inevitably it was drive on Sun FM. So it meant I could do both. I could I could do Radio Leeds, knock off at lunchtime, which is when I normally finished, drive straight up to Sun, get there about three o'clock, um, and then do a, a drive show, drive back, and repeat. So it was a busy time, and it was around about my twenty-first birthday. <laughs> I did a week of that, um, and 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 then so that through the summer there was cover, and then it led to 
the end of 1999 where I was doing um, then then got drive full time. So it's a long process. You know, it's not like you just suddenly start doing drive. You do these weekend shows and you do these, you know, you used to do, I mean, I, I never really did overnights, but overnights was a thing you could do. And these shows aren't there anymore for people to, to follow in that footstep, I suppose. You do it different way. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> Community radio, I suppose. But, you know, to, to get your wings and get yourself in the shop window for a regular gig, you have to do this stuff. And that's what sometimes people don't realise and people don't don't want to do that. You know, it is hard work, actually. It's it's not fun. It is antisocial. Um, but, you know, if you want to get a gig on the radio, you've, you've got to put yourself out there and, and do these things. But, yeah, then Drive happened. And uh, and and then so we started that, and I think it was October, or November sort of time, nineteen ninety nine. Three point four Sun FM playing Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody. Good afternoon from Ian Brannan, heading up towards two o'clock now. It's word on the street. We'll be talking Prince Charles between two and three. So you just stay tuned right here. And on the way, two o'clock tunes from the Steve Miller Band, Monaco and Aerosmith. All on the way between two and three. Do, do, starting that drive time show can you remember the first show you did and what was it like i can't really remember the first show i did on drive i mean it was it was fun i seem to remember it at least fun in my mind i can't remember how it sounded it was busy i remember it was busy there was a lot going on so much stuff is like one of those shows where you had news headlines and sport and so there's so much crammed in there and it was it was good but it was, i seem to remember it was fun i went through a period of playing like loads of sound effects and things <laughs> when that was when that was something that was permitted i had loads of uh drops because you know some of the influences in on me in terms of what I grew up listening to you know I I listened to a lot of Martin Kellner um when he was doing the night network stuff and we were fortunate enough to work with with Martin um when I was working at Radio Leeds and and after that as well because he did some stuff at Real Radio uh and he was you know proper radio hero of mine and people like that who sort of Kenny Everett and that kind of thing where you're having a bit more fun. Stuff that you probably can't really get away with these days without getting fired. Chris Moyles. I used to listen to Chris Moyles when Chris Moyles was, you know, nobody had heard of him when he was on Radio Air or or The Pulse in Bradford and inevitably seems to be getting fired after a month or two. Um, You know, people like that were an influence. I don't put myself in their bracket, but they were an influence, definitely. And so I used to do some sort of budget versions of what they did and yeah and then, then i think fashions kind of change really and you think well you know you've got to move with whatever the times are and move with whoever's paying you the money really you know i think we see a lot of that on radio the radio presenter that you hear on there that's not necessarily the the extent of their talents but you know you've got to keep the person who's paying the bills happy haven't you yeah. Sunderland's most music 103.4 Sun FM now we're inviting you to join us for a magical three day two night trip to see the Disneyland Paris Christmas lights we're departing November and December it also gets to experience all of the thrills of Space Mountain the Disney parades and over 50 rides and shows with all of your favourite Disney characters prices start from just £79 for adults and 59 quid for the kids under 11 the trip includes coach travel ferry two nights at a themed resort hotel uh, with continental breakfast included, an entrance to Disneyland Paris theme park called Sun FM. During office hours, for more info, 548-1034. That's Disneyland Paris. The magic is closer with 103.4 Sun FM. Two and a half years you were with uh, Sun FM in Sunderland for the first time round. 
and mm. March 2002 arrives and John Myers and John Simons are about to set up a new station in West Yorkshire, uh, the third of its kind. And uh, you are going to be part of that launch team. So I think before we get into it, I have <laughs> to ask, was it an easy decision to say goodbye to Sunderland? Yes, absolutely. It, it, it had changed quite a lot. Um, you know, a number of the people that uh, were there at the start had changed. And these radio stations, they're nothing without the people. It doesn't matter what the station is. You know, the people make them. People starting to move on. We're all, it was a good crew of, of people working there, but all fairly young because Sunderland is a big city for um at the university they've got a really good radio production course and if you are listening to this and you're in the market of wondering which university to go to to learn about radio i would heartily recommend sunderland university Uh, they have a really good radio course and they've had many people come out of their university who have gone on to do great things both on air and off air working at at national radio stations jordan north being one example but there are many others so the people that were at university had, had left university and started working at sun fm around the same time as i did and so it was a good group of people but everybody's moving on in their different directions and i felt like you know i I wanted to do something bigger you know work at a bigger station and um and i'd had my eye on on yorkshire for a for a long time um so it wasn't it wasn't like something that it was something i'd I'd aimed at because we we all knew that a new radio station was going to arrive in yorkshire at some point, because the whole process of awarding a license was quite a long, drawn-out one. There were many people who did RSLs as, as trial stations. Um, Real were one of those. The other, it, it sort of emerged that the front runners were going to be um, Capital with Century or GMG. It sort of came fairly apparent that these were the two front runners. It certainly, came apparent to me anyway. And because um, Sun FM, when I was working, when I first started working there, was owned by Border and therefore involved John Myers and John Simons, and then was taken over by Capital, which was the same, you know, Century Group, and and Sun was part of Border TV with CFM, Century, and Sun. Uh, They were all together. Uh, Of course, Capital went and bought that, so you had the takeover, and effectively working for the other one. So I, so I, I knew lots of people that were involved in both camps. So whatever happened, I felt that I had a few ins, if you like, for, for whoever should win the license. But um, GMG won it, which was fantastic. Um, my closest friend, I would say, Chris Stevens, um, who is uh, obviously many will know as a audio producer, jingle guru, and and such. We were we were housemates in uh, Sunderland, uh, and then later in Leeds. But he he'd gone off to work in Wales in Cardiff, and I remember driving down from Sunderland to Cardiff to go and. Uh, see him for a weekend but also with me I took a demo and um, my CV and and like a covering letter and made sure that 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 was left with John Simons (laughs) so I drove to Cardiff in order to try and get my gig in Yorkshire uh, and uh, eventually it came to pass one way or the other Um, but not not as a presenter but as a producer was my primary role when it all came up which was something different but it was a, an opportunity you had to grasp 106 to 108 FM. Real radio. 10 seconds oh, 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 oh. and counting 
Good morning, Yorkshire, and good morning, Real Radio. This is Paul McCartney here, and I'd like to welcome you to a brand new radio station. Welcome to Real Radio. Good morning. It's Monday, 25th of March, 2002. It's 8 o'clock, and a star is born. And being involved uh, with a launch has always sounded like fun. What were your memories of that uh, launch day on the 25th of March? So the situation was that Scotland had launched earlier, but Yorkshire was a fresh start. Yorkshire was a brand new station. So the test transmissions were on air and we had to build every single element that you needed. Sponsor credits, promos, the ridiculous amount of jingles that Real Radio had. They all needed mixing out for every possible permutation of presenter and shows. There was a lot of stuff to do. News, I mean, it was a, it was a 64E um, as I remember, splitting speech and music. So it was heavy speech. You know, we had half-hour news programmes and then t- I think, was it two quarter-hour news programmes? I think we did at one o'clock and five and then a half-hour news programme at seven. Sports phoning, Nick Abbott. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that needed loading for, for you know, for these, all, these um, speech-based elements. And we worked through it, working night and day. And there was two or three producers involved Chris, myself, there's um, Paul Emmons, who was also working across like the music uh, for a bit as well, um, all working on it all the time. And it took us two weeks and the station went live on that day and we'd only put all the imaging in up to lunchtime. So the station was on air and we were, we were like, it was like one of those... Um, you know, like Roadrunner, where he's like f- firing out the train track in front of him as, <laughs> as they're running. It was kind of like that. But we got there. And of course, once you've done it for one day, then it sort of repeats again and, and, and you can move on to the next day. But it, um, yeah, it was frantic. It was very busy. There was a big marquee that was put up in the car park. There was all sorts of dignitaries uh, invited, not least the legendary cricket umpire, Dickie Bird. Uh, he came along and um, he he was very demanding with his tea requirements he, he drank a lot of tea um there was all sorts of people came along and it was a great occasion you know it was a great launch um paul mccartney did a like a pre-recorded uh, announcement sort of launching the station officially brendan kearney and uh, becky chippendale were the first presenters on there it was a great team and you look at some of the people involved on that day and where they are now you know not least james rear was the the head of news and now of course he's um, head of anything that comes out of a speaker at Global, the director of, of broadcasting there. Christian Spooner was the deputy head of news. Andy Carter was the program director. He's now an MP. So you know, it's weird where people have have kind of gone on to either in radio, in radio, or or outside of it. And uh, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a good time, really good time. It, it got better, I think, actually as well. You know, um, as after the station launched, there was a bit of pressure was taken off. We started having fun with it, especially when the first radar came out. It really wound up a few other stations in the area. Uh, yeah, it was it was funny. <laughs> it was really fun. And because you, you were you said you you were doing production at this at this stage when Real launched yeah. in Yorkshire. Did you um, and before we come on to Wales, did you ever progress into the presenter seat uh, at Yorkshire? Yes, on the launch day. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, well, I, I was primar- primarily a producer. I was an imaging producer slash presenter. And the presenting I did was the sports phone-in, the real radio sports phone-in. So I did that hour. Again, I'd never done a sports phone-in before in my life, but really we, you know, we had Emlyn Hughes, um, who's a legendary footballer, of course. He was the, the main guest who took all the calls, so I just had to get people on and off air. It was, it was a very straightforward job, but that was fun. And 
So I did do that as as presenting. Um, but yeah, I, and then I did I I did a show on a Saturday. Oh yeah, the first oh yeah the first Saturday the first show right. So the first Saturday. I did the the sports show, four hour sports show. It's music and sports, so music, and then we'd every ten minutes or whatever we'd stop and like go round the grounds. We had reporters at different football grounds and you know usual f- sport report kind of show. Anyway, it gets to six o'clock, ready for the first real radio party night with Chris Stevens. All right, so you, 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 your Saturday night starts here, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, in the last link, five fifty six. You're listening to Real Radio, and uh, on the way next is the Real Radio Party Night. Chris Stevens is here. He's got Cool in the Gang. He's got this, that, and the other. And I'm, as I'm saying this, I'm looking up at the TV. <laughs> Buckingham Palace. The Queen Mother has died. Oh, man. Right? So um, immediately we had to, like, go straight into an obit at 6 o'clock. First week the station's been on air. We're about to do the... Um, the Real Radio Party Night, and, and it, uh, actually, in effect, what happened was we took the National Anthem, a statement from Buckingham Palace, and played um, Obit music for a whole weekend, if not longer. So, yeah, we had an, an Obit in the first week of the station launched, and we had somebody swearing on air as well. It was, uh, yeah, quite a start. <laughs> this is Bring a Pound to Work Day, making a real difference to children's lives in Yorkshire. Let's go and meet one of our roving patrols right now, and uh, Chris Stevens. <laughs> Is, Hello, uh, Ian. He's out and about, and he's with some uh, ladies at Cosalt Workwear in Barnsley. I tell you, I'm proud of my two favourite things, ladies and protective workwear. It can't get any better than this, I, I tell I you. I always say the two go hand in hand. Hand in hand, you can't go wrong, can you? Time with Real Yorkshire, and then in 2005, um, you leave Yorkshire, but not real, and instead head down to where the magic began, here in Cardiff, <laughs> uh, when you're asked to take on breakfast. Yes. Um, often you get opportunities that come along, in in life and your career and i think where possible i think as, as i hinted before you know just say yes and figure out how how you're going to do it because it would be easy to say now it's cardiff it's a long way away blah 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 um but i said yes let's do it because you'd always wonder what happened you know what would have happened if and i, I think it's better to do something and know than not do something and uh, always have that kind of thought and agonize over it so yeah did it and um ah, weird i mean because i'd I'd done cover on breakfast in yorkshire i'd done cover for quite a while whenever terry underhill was on holiday i used to cover and i really enjoyed it we had a lot of fun it was it was good and i think and john myers told me this once um you know he said ah team best best job you can have in radio is uh, being the filling guy uh and, and he's right because there's no expectation on you there's no pressure Nobody cares about your listening figures because they're not yours. And uh, you can just get on and enjoy. It's brilliant. And, that, and that's kind of largely what I do now. You know, you, you go on and you, you have fun. You, you enjoy it for a week and then you hand it back and uh, and then have another go in a, in, a, in a month or two's time. So I was doing breakfast, having loads of fun, doing all sorts of ridiculous stuff. And it was around about this time of year. It was it was after a May bank holiday and I, I'd got this call saying, are you free tomorrow at two or whatever it is because John Simons wants to see you. So yeah, I went in for this um, meeting and I think John Simons, this is in Leeds, so it was on like the top floor, John Simons' office, group programme director. Uh, and Simo was there, uh, Ricky and Andy Carter were, were all in this room, so... And uh, so, yeah, it's like, um, would you would you be interested in being um, a breakfast presenter at Real Radio in Wales? And I'm like, I mean, I I was only like 20, 
six or five or something at the time. Um, and I'm like, yeah, uh, suppose, yeah. Um, and didn't really think about it, and and I did I did think about the implications of it, but I had you know no particular ties or anything like that. So it's like, well, yeah, let's do it, and and of course, so yeah, um, it took a, a a little while to get it sorted, but yeah, I started at the end. Um, I think it was like after the August bank holiday. I think I started. I did do a week um, in the summer, just filling in, just to get to sort of grips with things a little bit. But yeah, it was fabulous. Really, you know, and I, I was there for what eighteen, nineteen months or something like that. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun, and and particularly working with Angela as well. Um, obviously, who you'll know because when you are put together with someone you've never met, it can be a little bit daunting because they are half the show. But you know, no such issues at all. You know, Angela was brilliant and and remains a, a good friend. And yeah, it's like seventeen years or whatever it is ago now, and and it seems like yesterday it flew by. And uh, yeah, I loved it. It was it was such a again, but again, the people make it. A, a station's nothing on its own. The people, and not just people in the station, but the people in Wales that I knew. There's so many characters in Wales. I love any time I go back to Wales, I love it because there, there's always somebody that makes you smile. And because you you mentioned um, earlier on that um, you you'd already. You'd already been down to Cardiff to Teen Ang Court, um, mm. to, um, which is when you dropped your demo and CV off. Yeah. Um, but on the first day of breakfast and going into Teen Ang Court, what was that atmosphere like just going through those doors? Well, it's weird because when, when you go in early in the morning, there wasn't actually that many people in the building. It was a bit a bit surreal, really, because you're coming in, not many people knew you very well. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a sociable time <laughs> to be meeting your new, your new colleagues as such. I did find it a little bit, I don't know, that y- you do feel a bit of an outsider, a bit, um, coming from Yorkshire and, you know, not being Welsh. Uh, but, you know, there were people there that I did know, the people I'd worked with, in the past in Yorkshire anyway. So it wasn't all um it wasn't all sort of strange faces. But yeah, it was good. And once we got on air, it, we had a great time, you know, with that with Angela and we had um Tom Selden was the producer and I think he's um he certainly used to work with Dave Berry on, on Absolute, but he's he's still involved with Bauer, I believe now. So he's gone off to, to great things. Um Craig, who was another producer I, I knew from being a, like a fourteen or fifteen year old at uh, at, at Sun FM because he worked there as well. So it, you know, it's a, it is a small world, and and there was lots of familiar faces there too. So uh, yeah, it was great. It's just I think that it doesn't matter where you are, but doing breakfast, you just unless you've done it, you don't understand how it feels, and you basically you can spend your life just feeling like you're jet lagged the entire time. Is the closest I would. Um, make it so you, yeah you you're great on air but the rest of the days you just got a bit stunned to begin with so you get to grips with it Following um, the 18-month stint uh, on breakfast in Real in South Wales, you uh, head back up to uh, West Yorkshire and uh, rejoin Real up there. And I've got, mm. to, I've got to ask, had anything changed since you left in 2005? Not really, no. Uh, <laughs> well, 
No, I think a few people had changed, but um, but not nothing massive. I I I was doing the national DAB version of Real Radio Show is what I I, I moved back to do, and so that was on Sky. So I was doing that for a year, I think it was, and then. I ended up doing the evening show. The main things that had changed was the the management in that Terry had moved on to, I think he was in charge of music for the whole group, and Tony McKenzie had come in, and I, I liked Tony. He was he was he was uh, he was a character, um, and yeah, he uh, yeah, I ended up doing doing the evening show, and then after that, I drifted more down a management route because you know presenting was all well and good, but. You know, I was sort of starting to feel like I was boxed into a corner, really, and not really knowing where I was going. And so I sort of got want to get more involved in management. So I started doing management training and, you know, for program directors. And I was probably, I'd, I'd worked my way through to be one of the next PDs, potentially. I was about there. Um, I'd certainly done the various courses that GMG had done. Um, and, you know, I don't think I was quite there, but I think within a few months I would have been, you know, in with a shout of, any job that came up, um, wherever that may be. Um, but then, of course, the takeover happened. Real Radio's winner holiday a day. With Jet 2 Holidays. Package holidays you can trust. You've only got a few days left to win a holiday online at realradio.co.uk. You could be going to Mallorca. How do you fancy a trip to the um, four-star, Ibero-star, Player de Muro? Realradio.co.uk, the place to go to win a seven-night holiday for two there. As I say, you've only got a few days left, so make sure you do it tonight to avoid disappointment. This morning's winner with Dixie and Gale, though, was um, Melissa Ferdinand from Bradford. She's won a trip to Madeira. Tomorrow's holiday, then. If you fancy winning, there's a holiday every day tomorrow. We're sending you to Cyprus to the St. Raphael Resort in Limassol. Four star plus B&B for two adults, seven nights. And uh, this is uh, flying from Leeds Bradford Airport. You get a sea view room when you get there as well. Sounds good. Got to be listening tomorrow morning, 7.45. As I say, another chance to win online at realradio.co.uk for that trip to Mallorca. Get on there, have a go. Got a chance of winning. And win a holiday a day with Jet2 Holidays. Package holidays you can trust. We're back 7.45 for your next chance to play on the radio with Dixie and Gale here at Real Radio. Real Radio. Home time. With Jet2 Holidays. Save £100 on a winter getaway. Conditions apply. Um, and you mentioned that cause in 2012 you take on drive time and, as you, and by this point GMG is about to sell Real to Global. Mm. And what was that feeling like that come 2014 Real would cease to exist? You knew that it was going to happen. The writing was on the wall for a long time. We knew somebody was going to get involved. It was just blatantly obvious that certain things had happened. Um, they started restructuring the organisation very much in line with organisations that were proposing to buy the business. And yeah, the, the writing was on the wall. Obviously, none of us knew how it was going to pan out. That's when I started doing more voiceover work and really building that up because could have ended up with, with nothing out of it all. And I was, you know, quite fortunate, really. A lot of people were let go. I was a staff member which was the thing that saved me, I think, initially, because I think they wanted to get everything done pretty quick. And then that whole hold separate thing lasted for a long time, and that kind of made them reevaluate how they attacked things a bit. But because I was a staff member and had other roles initially, that's what 
sort of ended up with me on drive, I think. And then not long after that, though, uh, then I got made redundant and was out of the business for, I think, a couple of days when they then rehired me as a freelance. But but beyond that point, there was no, there was no guarantees of anything. It was just a ongoing contract until things change. And we didn't know that it was going to last for, for as long as it did, that whole hold separate thing. But um, it, it certainly allowed me to plan what my, me- my next move might be. I didn't really have a major plan, but just more from a voiceover point of view, it gave me a bit of time to build up some work. And then I was fortunate to make it through and don't know how, <laughs> got to be honest. But I suppose because the whole thing dragged on as long, I think if, if they'd had their way initially and, and there was no hold separate issues, I think things would have been um, over a lot quicker. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that Global would have had people in mind uh, of what they were going to do. And it would have been a lot harder to to transition across to, to Global. But because we had longer time and I was on drive for that extra amount of time. It gave me that extra exposure to kind of show that I could fit into what they, you know, the kind of radio that they were hoping to do and and, and do links in the style that they would, you know, that would fit on heart and do a heart style show. Um, so I had that, you know, I was fortunate in that point of view that I had that extra chance. Well, in the 12 years you were with Real, from the start with Real Radio Yorkshire right through into the end and... Um, the two years you did with Real Radio Wales um, and Real as well it sounded like an enormous amount of fun. It was a station that was incredibly close to my heart growing up listening to. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, all these jocks and um, features like Risk It For A Biscuit and uh, <laughs> the, the Real Radio Fugitive. Or, oh, as God. Was, <laughs> yes. As, as it was called until they were forced to change it. Mm. Um, <laughs> What what was your main highlight? Well, I think you know the early the early days were fun um, in Yorkshire. Um, just the you know the 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 fun we had as a as a team. You know, we were very close together. We had good times at work and out of work. Um, a lot of us lived fairly closely together um, in in a certain area of Leeds, and so we, we had you know a lot a lot of fun as a group. Um, <laughs> there was some good nights out. Um, and, and, you know, real being as the size of station it was, you know, we had like quite famous bands being brought in often, um, some good gigs that we got to go to and all this kind of stuff. So it was, it was pretty rock and roll for the era and probably the sort of thing that doesn't happen anymore. Uh, so that was the early parts. So that was a, a highlight. We had, <laughs> we had this crazy incentive once where if the station made a certain amount of money that we would all get a free holiday to Mallorca. And uh, and we achieved it. So we all went on a free holiday to Mallorca, which was pretty cool. Um, so that was a fun time. Um, Wales, I really enjoyed all of my time there. I remember going to a computer shop and having a really surreal conversation with some guy about aliens in Britain Ferry. And uh, I, I'd only just called in as a customer. And it just went, it's just a weird, it was like a sitcom. It was so weird in this... <laughs> talking to this guy about aliens and it was like, I listen to the radio, I do. I listen to the radio. I listen to American radio. It's really good. They've got this bloke and he talks about aliens and he starts talking about how he was abducted by an alien. It's like really, it's really surreal. And then we did this um, this thing called the World Tour of Wales, which started off as an idea where I thought it'd be good to get a caravan. And we got a caravan um, sponsored by um, 
Eddie from uh, Sunny Haven and Blazers Caravans in Swansea, as I recall. And um, we did this this tour, and it, it was continued, I know, by Tony uh, when he was there and, uh, and Bobby. Um, but myself and Angela did the first one, and, and we had this great week across Wales. Like, you couldn't have asked for better weather. We went all over, the, went as far away as, you, as we could realistically. We went to Haverford West, which is fairly far, and worked our way across Wales in a different place every day in this caravan broadcasting live and... Uh, yeah, that was brilliant. I'm going to say the weather was absolutely amazing. And uh, yeah, that was a good week. Good fun. We had a moustache growing competition. I had to draw one on in the end because I couldn't grow a moustache at the time. If you like your songs from the 80s, have we got a treat in store for you on Sunday here on Hearts? Seven o'clock, Sunday evening, after the chart. Jason Donovan back on Heart with All 80s. This Sunday from 7, three hours of the greatest decade of all time right here on Heart. Make sure you join Jason Donovan for his first show uh, on Sunday at 7. Good afternoon, it's Ian Brennan here with Heart Drive Time. We'll keep you moving on the way home tonight. One or two problems on the A1 and the M62 to tell you about. And if you've heard about this fire which is happening at uh, Ferrybridge Power Station, but we've got smoke blowing across the road. It's affecting both the M62 and the A1 Traffic, generally speaking, seems to be coping well, but we'll keep you up to date with what's happening with that situation, both news-wise and on the roads as well this afternoon here on Heart. Got John Legend on the way. If you've had a stressful one, you can chill out to him very soon. And right now, how about this from On Vogue? Don't let go on Heart. Progress indeed, because um, after Real finished in May 2014, you, as you said, you um, stayed on with Heart to do weekends. Um and as well as that, you um, moved up back up to the northeast of England and uh, returned back to Sun FM. Where mm-hmm. am I right in thinking you also had the highest audience reach of the station on your show? I, I mean, that was only that was only one. I was, I was doing was I doing Sunday mid morning? I think it had the highest share or something like that um, at one point. Yeah, in one in one sort of freak survey, I think it was the highest share um, or something like that. I forget now, but yeah, yeah, um, but it is a fact. You can look back on the on the radar of the time, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was fun. You know, Sun FM is a station that is unique in that Sunderland is so, in some ways, insular. It's not like most other regions where people are quite cool about it. You know, people in Sunderland like their own identity, and that's why Sun FM's always done really well. And yeah, it was it was um, great to be back on that station, and um, and and sort of in many ways again, like you know, going back to real, you know, it was a lot obviously a lot longer the time between leaving Sun and rejoining, but yeah, little, little felt it had changed in many ways when you walk back in, um, but no, it was it was fun to be back on, um, and. There's just such an ident- a local identity about people for people in Sunderland, and they love Sun FM, you know. And it's uh, it's still going strong now. And Simon Grundy, I think, must be one of the longest serving breakfast presenters in the UK. Sure. Good morning. Welcome along to Smooth Breakfast on Smooth Radio Northeast. Ten past eight. I'm Ian Brannan in for Steve Coleman today. And there's Chicago. Hard to say. I'm sorry. Hope you managed to put all your clocks back right after the uh, change at the weekend. Spare a thought for the Queen. She's got 1,500 clocks that need altering twice a year, and she's got a special team of people that do that. She's also advertising, actually, Her Majesty for a cleaner at Windsor Castle. Uh, meanwhile, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge have posted an advert uh, in the last couple of days for a housekeeper to work and live at Kensington Palace. 
interested in that, you need to get onto uh, their own website. They're uh, they're auditioning right now. <laughs> BG's on the way after this from Ace. How long on Given Smooth? the fact that when um, in the in the mid two thousands, GMG owned Real and Smooth Radio, and mm-hmm. it, it it seems like it never left GMG because when they when Global brought it over and Communicorp as well, Smooth Radio. You've also been doing. Uh, shows for smooth radio up and down the country yeah no well you know in, in many ways i haven't um nothing <laughs> i haven't left in, in in you're right you know gmg became well certainly the branch of gmg i was at became communicore um and yeah i've, I've worked for communicore since it began uh and uh, i remember the changeover you know it's like oh we're no longer on uh Real and smooth email addresses. Now we're on Communicore UK, and uh, you know that was the that was the biggest change. You know, change of IT systems and and things. And uh, yeah, it's remained that way. So, and there are many people who are involved with the Communicore setup, particularly, but also in global. There are a few, but um, you know, with Communicore, there are a lot of people from those stations, particularly in the northeast and in Yorkshire, and even in the East Midlands as well, actually. And Manchester, of course, the Communicore stations who are from the GMG era, and, and some of them from the f- fairly early in the GMG era. Um, you know, Jamie Griffiths, who's the um, program director for Smooth within Communicore, uh, was was there in the early days of uh, GMG um, in the you know, Jazz FM, the early Smooth incarnation there. Um, Kyle Evans as well worked at Real Radio in Yorkshire. He, he joined a few weeks after me and started producing Nick Abbott back in those days. And he's now with um, VoiceWorks and content director for, for VoiceWorks. So, which is all part of Communicore. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of familiar faces still part of the operation. And so, in some respects, yeah, it, it, it's it's still a big kind of gmg staff vibe and, and there's a lot of familiar faces from from a long time so there are there is a lot of familiarity about it but you know times move on with different brands now and um i love working for them i, I love i love being you know i loved my time on heart now i've not been on heart for quite a while now and i think uh, probably think that that's probably done um but Yes, since I think it was 2017, I've been working at Smooth, and I've worked at Smooth Northeast, but also um, I worked at Smooth East Midlands and West Midlands. I was doing Saturdays on um, the West Midlands and Sundays on East, and then did drive on the East Midlands until the big programming changes came in. Um, and I love it. You know, it's it's a great, fantastic brand to to be on. Um, a great radio station, really well put together, thought out. Um, you know the music's fantastic. The stations are all doing really well, and um, you know it's a great it's a great feeling doing a show on a station that you know sounds fantastic and and that they make it so easy for you yourself as a presenter to sound fantastic as well with the various support you get. So um, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful to be part of. Two still. minutes to nine. This is Ian in for Steve Coleman this morning. Uh, hi to Amber, who's my daughter. She's listening in the car. Uh, I think she's heard Barry White singing and she thought that was my voice. Um, no, not today. <laughs> 
for morning. Uh, morning as well to Elise. Can you wish Elise a happy 17th birthday and the best of luck for a driving test later on this morning? Fingers crossed for you on that. That what a way to celebrate your 17th birthday with your driving test day. And hi to Nigel listening to us online this morning at smoothradio.com. And uh, if you'd like a mention, get in touch with us. Just head to the website and uh, you can drop us a message there. We're going to update you on the roads in just a few moments. Busy one on the A1 around Seaton Burn. The details to come here on Smooth. This is- in the uh, 26 years you've been involved in radio, what advice would you give to anyone who's choosing a career? Um, if you are choosing a career in radio, number one thing to remember is it's a very small world. So try not to um, hack off anybody because you never know where they're going to resurface, even if they're working on the biggest radio station <laughs> furthest down the road that you can find. You may well encounter this person sooner than you believe. So it's a very small world. Um, listen to radio. Listen to uh, yourself as much as you can, I think. And um, I can only share the bit of advice I was, uh, I was given. I-, I asked this question to Terry Wogan in fact, once, Um, uh, because I was working at Radio Leeds and Terry Wogan was doing his show, Radio 2 show from Radio Leeds, and uh, I asked him what his advice was, and I was like 19 at the time. What's your advice, Terry? And Terry Wogan said to me, if a listener sends you food, don't eat it. And that, that was the that was the number one piece of advice from Terry Wogan. So I'll share that with you. Fantastic. And that I, uh, that echoes the advice Ken Bruce gave me with um, Hospital Radio, which he said, just enjoy it. Yeah. Well, that's it. Enjoy it. Because it's... You know, everything, everything's short. Life's short. Um, enjoy it. it. It's there to be fun, right? Um, have fun as much as you can. Don't, don't sort of have battles that are not worth it. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, just, I don't know, treat people well and hope that they remember you. And um, that's about it, really. Just, yeah. There are a lot of people, they're not a lot of people, but there are some people in radio that perhaps don't help themselves. And, you know, you've got to be flexible. You can't have it your own way all the time. You've just got to accept that. Times change. You can't go back to a, a certain era and do that show again. You've got to look forward. You've got to provide whatever it is that that station wants, right? It's their, it's their train set. They want a certain show. You've got to adapt. And that's the other thing. Adapt. Look at, this, look at the fashions. Look at the presenters that are on air and, and try your best to, to adapt and, and change to, to morph into whatever it is that people want at the time. Um, because if you just stick to a certain act all the time, eventually you're going to be dated. So it's just keeping moving and being reliable, available, say yes, but uh, you know, do, do what you can and, and just, just try and help people out, help solve problems for people. And finally, Ian, who was your radio great? My radio great. Well, I mentioned him already. I would say Martin Kellner. Um, he, he, I listened to him f- for for as long as I can remember, and he used to be on the Night Network on on the BBC. And uh, he's, I mean, a lot of his characters are probably uh, <laughs> probably fail some kind of uh, broadcast tests these days. But uh, you know, he had uh, Edouard Lepaglier, the uh, the Frenchman, and uh, I think he, yeah, he had he had certain other characters on his show as well. And it was and well, he had he actually had um, Carolina Hearn and. Um, uh, what's his face that um, that, that that was with it? Uh, uh, Craig Craig Cash, yeah. Um, 
he gave them their their break and they used to come on his show and do like eye dents and things before they were famous and and in fact um martin kellner had mrs merton on his show long time before the mrs merton show ever went on tv so he was very you know good at finding this these, these talents and uh yeah i i used to love listening to to martin um so yeah i, I would go with him definitely and big influence I, I don't really necessarily show it in what i do <laughs> but yeah and 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 i probably learned more i mean i only worked with him directly for a few weeks but i learned a lot from working with nick abbott as well at real um quite influential actually over the course of my career probably more than i realize um but yeah that was that was a fun time that's one of those things you know like with faulty towers you look back on faulty towers of it being like an amazingly massively long running series and actually there's there's only like what 12 episodes or something of faulty towers but same like with the time i spent with nick abbott i worked with him for about three or four weeks and it feels like i've got an entire career just over those three or four weeks <laughs> that uh, we could have a conversation about but um yeah again another really good talent so yeah i'll, I'll have two i'll say martin kellner primarily but also nick abbott well ian brannan thank you ever so much for appearing on this edition of radio greats today well, thank you very much for asking me, and um, hopefully people haven't been too bored by it. <laughs> As a razor, I love to hate you on Sunderland's Most Music 103.4 Sun FM. This weekend, we're going to try and get you into the party spirit with a chance to win a cruise and a meal for two on board the Prince Bishop River Cruiser in Durham. But it's no ordinary meal. Oh, no, you'll be part of the Halloween celebrations on Friday, October the 30th. So if you're uh, easily scared, it couldn't maybe not be the one for you. Listen for the ghoulish cue to call uh, this weekend for your chance to join the Halloween party on the weir in Durham and for a fun evening afloat, take to the water on the Prince Bishop River Cruiser and your winning weekend station, 103.4 Sun FM, now playing the new song from East 17 called Each Time. Remembering the great DJs of radio, it's Radio Greats with the live Luke.